But today is <laughs> my parents' anniversary. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, it's my parents' anniversary today. It was 22 years ago. I feel weird doing this above you now, so <laughs> we'll come right here. 22 years ago, this man right here walked into me and my mom's life and completely changed it forever. Yeah. Just to, just to brag on him really quickly, I, he doesn't need me to because y'all know how amazing he is. You know how loving he is as a father of this house. But as a father personally, being my dad and being the person that has poured into me year after year after year after year consistently, raising me up the right way, teaching me so many things, always being my biggest fan, always being the one in the stands crying and clapping and screaming and doing all the craziest stuff, man... It's just been amazing, and I'm so blessed to have had you in my life. Man, my mom had some weirdos sliding in her DMs back then. I think it was pay phones and pagers y'all were using. This is before the days of Snapchat. I got stories. Yeah, I'm happy Donnie McClurkin did not end up being my dad. Oh, you said it out loud. <laughs> said his name out loud. Donnie was trying to get my wife, man. Hey, he beat him, though. I was sitting next to him. I was sitting next to him at World Harvest, and he was trying to just sneak it on Hey, my but mind. he won. That's how you know. That's how, yeah. 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 Great uh, is your mercy. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Happy uh, anniversary, Pastor Troy and Rebecca. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Johnny was after my wife, man. We was back in the green room. He was trying. I'm like, hey, man, watch it. Like, go up there and sing again, though. It's pretty annoying. You know what I mean? Man, that dude could sing, son. That dude could sing. I was like, man. I might marry him, you know what I mean? I do can sing, you know? No, I'm just joking. That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. I'm uh, very proud of Jeremiah and, and uh, all that he's accomplishing. And uh, so just let me speak to a couple of things that, uh, hey, lights came on. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, so uh, the Wednesday, Thursday shift that's happening, that's always been by design. We just didn't say it out loud. And I, I need to say that so you understand that we're just not making stuff up as we go here. A lot of things have been by design that we just don't put out in front. We, we pray into it. We, we reinforce it. All the decisions are not, you know, the decisions like Dom going to Texas. That's, that's intentional. We all, we all knew eventually that Dom would walk into that arena. And we celebrate that. But as Dom steps into that, Jeremiah steps into his, and so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, today. So, so I say that to say um, uh, this Wednesday will be, you know, be our last Wednesday, but our focus, in, in, more than anything, let me just say this, our focus is laser-like on our student and that end of the wing of the building. It's laser-like. Every decision we make is 40 years from now. Every time we think and consider the vision of heaven for Church on the North Coast, it is with consideration to that, that side of the building. I did a wedding yesterday. This is, like, this is, there's no shade in what I'm about to say because, uh, you know, parents these days, like the parents of this wedding, I, I counseled them years ago, and 
not sure how well they knew the Lord, uh, but I did this wedding. Maybe turn off my cameras right now if you can, you know. But, but I need to say it. I need to say this room because this is church business. And, and, but I did this wedding. And, but the, the, the couple I married had already lived together. They'd already lived together. But they wanted me to do the wedding because, because Jesus, right? So they wanted Jesus in their wedding, but they had been living together. And I, and, I, and I did it because I wanted to put Jesus in there and give him a fighting chance, you know. Because without Jesus, you just you can't make it. But, but I got back home and I said, listen, Becca, we need to start right now teaching our children the priority of purity. Right now, right now. It's, I, I don't care that it's like that. Listen. If the world, the world could do whatever the world wants, right? It can do whatever it wants. But we're not, gonna, we're not about to pervert the, the sacred purity of the covenant of the Lord here. We're not going to compromise that. We're not going to say, no, that's okay. No, I'm going to tell you, no, man, no, no. There is power in purity. You have to wait, you know. But we have to commit ourselves to teaching a generation from infancy the power of purity and the sacred covenant of marriage. That's, so, so I say that to you to say every decision we are making right now is with consideration of the next 40 years. Raising a generation to know the power of the Lord, to know how to, to rightly defend and divide the word of the living God. That is our commitment. So I, I say that in agreement with, with Pastor Jeremiah. Thank you for sowing at Church on the North Coast, but thank you for giving. So that way our children's children have a place to come and hear the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Can you put your hands together for what Jesus is doing here? Thank you. Write this down. Prophecy is present tense. Prophecy is present tense context of future victory. Revelation is always prophetic. Prophecy is present tense context of future victory. Revelation is always prophetic. The testimony of Jesus is the, talk to me, the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, whenever Jesus is revealed, the spirit of prophecy comes with him. Wherever the spirit of prophecy enters a room, suddenly, Present tense, context, gives illumination, revelation to future tense victory. So what does, what does God do? So whenever Jesus, whenever we experience the presence of Jesus, he comes into a room and we experience his presence. Immediately we get, we get context 
we get centered within time. Right? It has this way of His presence comes to us. And when His presence comes to us, it's like the lights turn on momentarily in that moment. And He gives us present tense awareness. It's like we become, our minds suddenly are not foggy any longer. Our minds are illuminated. Revelation rushes. We call it revelation, but it's the presence of Jesus. The revelation of God comes to us turns on the lights for us, and no matter what we're going through in that present tense moment, it gives us context of future tense victory. It tells us that this light momentary affliction is not to be compared with where we're ultimately going to end up. Because that's what prophecy does. Prophecy allows you to see in your present tense moment what God is unfolding in the future. It gives you a flash of the future so you can endure the moment you're in. I worked at a factory for three days. Man, that's all I could take. I worked at this factory for three days, Pastor. I was there for three days. And when I got there, they took me to my station. And I was one station of of 100, right? So you walk into the factory. You walk in through the little part of the factory. And you walk to your part of the factory. I took for three days. I Three days, eight hours, I was on second shift, which was terrible. God bless you if you work in a factory, but I'm going to give you a secret to help you endure here in a minute. For three days, I took these little things. I don't even know what these little things were, but I took hundreds upon hundreds, thousands of these little things. These little things, and and then this machine would bring over this other big thing, And the big thing would sit down in front of me, and I had so long, I had a set amount of time to take the little things, put it on the big thing, before the big thing went down in this thing, this other thing. I didn't know what the things were. I don't know what the things were. I don't know what we were making. But the thing would come over, the thing would sit in front of me, and I would, I would like, oh, Jesus, I it made me groan with groanings of understanding only the Spirit could comprehend. I would do this. And I did that for eight hours a day for three days. And on the third day, whoo, shot that by. On the third day, on the third day around midnight, third day around midnight, I put down those little thingies and I walked out of that place. I walked out of that place without understanding of how much damage I had done to the big thing that was being made in the small place. God forgive me because I learned later they was making wheelchairs. I said, God, I'm sorry. Because for eight hours, I don't know how many wheelchairs they made. But my little thingy was not on the wheelchair. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I don't know. I I couldn't. But I tell you what. I could not endure it 
one more second. I could not for the life of me bring myself to not to just take my time. Like I only am promised so many sunsets, Lord, and you know that. So I'm not about to sit here and take these little thingies, put them on this big thingy so they could put it in the other thingy and so it could go on down the road. I had had enough. I couldn't endure it one more day. I was frustrated. I was irritated. I said, this don't make no sense. Why am I wasting my life on this moment? And I could, and you, you shouldn't either. You shouldn't either. That is what prophecy does. Prophecy comes into that station, turns the lights on, and shows you the ultimate end of what's happening. You see, the problem was, I didn't know what we was making or why we was making it. They've been better off to bring somebody in in a wheelchair and say, Troy, I just want you to know your job has significance. That little thing you're putting on there is very critical to the whole thing we're building here. So I need you to focus right now. Don't lose your faithfulness right now because you don't understand this momentary affliction, this hardship you're in. I need you to hold on because I need you to see the end. And that's what prophecy is that's what the spirit of jesus does the spirit of jesus will come to his bride to his church and the spirit of jesus will turn on the lights as jesus comes in and show you the end and show you the beginning and show you the present tense and let you know i know it's hard right now i know you're going through something i know you don't understand i know it's chaos i know it's dark i know there are beasts with three heads walking around i know there are demons who are tormenting you i know you are afflicted crushed perplexed i know all of that but i need you to see the end The book of Revelation, it's Revelation, and there is no S. You get me, church? Here, one more person call it Revelations. I'm going to lose my mind. It's Revelation. Mm. No S. One Revelation. It's written by John. On the island of Patmos, <laughs> you know as well as I do, if someone get up there and say, don't go to the book of Revelations. John only got one book, man. It's not a book either. It's a letter. All right? It'd be better if we understood that the Bible is composed of letters to whom? To the church. It's good. I'm giving you some context here. It's good that we understand and John wrote this letter to the seven churches of the day. This letter, so that, so that tells us, this letter had great consequence to the church, to the bride, to the believer, to the first century believer. So who was this book written to? The believer. Who was this book not written to? Rome. 666, Nero, it wasn't written to them. To you and to me, it has been given to know what? The mysteries. This book is written in a form of, 
It was, a, it was a very common form of how the writers would write in that day. So only the believers would understand the context of its information. It wasn't written in code, but it did require context to decode it. It wasn't a secret because it was a love letter written to the beloved. It was written with symbolism, imagery, words, references, Old Testament. So you had to have a prerequisite of biblical comprehension of the Torah before you could properly decode or interpret its context. If anywhere else were to pick up this letter written to the church, but didn't have proper context of who it was written to or why it was written, they would then interpret it incorrectly. But if you knew the prophets, if you understood the Pentium, if you knew the imagery of the Old Testament, if you knew Zion, Jerusalem, if you knew the language of the kingdom, John wrote it in such a way to where it would not be, it wouldn't be controversial to read it. A first century believer in Jesus could have picked it up and easily interpreted what, was, what he was talking about, what, what the mark of the beast was, right? Who the, the beast with the multiple heads are. The book is written to believers. The word, the, the meaning of revelation, so it's the revelation to John. But the meaning there, the Greek translation is apocalypse. Where we get our word, apocalypse. Which means all hell has broken loose. We got demons running around. We got dark things happening. We got kingdoms falling. We got emperors rising. We got nations raging. We got unexplained aliens flying around. I find it interesting that the government said aliens are out there the other day and nobody flinched. Not one person missed a beat. They was like, oh yeah, that's nice. My pizza's five minutes late. What's going on? No, my, that is proof that we are living in the apocalyptic age of the church. This dark symbolism, but all of it, all of it interpreted through the lens of a first century believer would have been easily comprehended. Today, it's very important then that we gain biblical comprehension so we properly interpret like the sons of Issachar the days and the times of which we live. It's essential that matriarchs and patriarchs of the faith, it's, it's critical that we don't grow weary in well-doing because there will be a generation where it will transfer to, and if we are not 
if we are not focused, they will receive a part of it, not, but not the fullness of it, and they won't know how to interpret the apocalyptic times they are experiencing. They will panic like the world, but, the, but God gave us prophetic insight so as to let us know, you don't have to worry. I am in perfect control of everything that's taking place. You are the beloved. I have given you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, so you don't have to freak out when this person's elected or that person's not elected. Now, come on. You've got to stop thinking. And the reason, the reason we fail, the reason we're not properly able to interpret is because we look too much like those who shouldn't know what that book's supposed to say. Our minds, like Peter's, is focused on worldly thinking, not on kingdom thinking. He said, get behind me, Satan. You think like man, not like me. And because, the reason we can't interpret the times accurately is because we, we, we just have too much world in us. Okay? I don't say that as an indictment. I say that as a, hey... I don't know if you recognized it or not, but it's getting apocalyptic. If Bigfoot were to walk in the room right now, I'd be like, I knew it. I knew it. It's apocalyptic out here. And in apocalyptic times, it would benefit, it will benefit us best to have the mind of Christ rather than the mind of the world. The world ain't supposed to know. Look at me. Look at me. The world ain't supposed to know what's going on right now. The church, we're supposed to know. It has been given to us to know what's happening right now. I give you that context. It's essential that you understand that Jesus in the beginning shows up, he is the revelation of the book of Revelation. He is the revelation. Jesus is the revelation. There's no, there's no truth. He is the truth. There's no word. Oh, that's a, that's a revel, that word's revelation, man. No, no. Jesus is revelation. It's nothing. There's nothing that I'm going to say or anybody else is going to say anything anywhere at any time that is revelation without the revelator. His name is Jesus. He is the he is the revelation. And when he when he is revel, when his revelation enters the room, prophecy is unlocked and the context of the present suddenly allows us to see the victory at the end, which lets us make sense of where we currently are. So here we are. Revelation 22 verse 13. Jesus says this, and like I said, without a biblical comprehension, we read this, we hear this, and we think that Jesus essentially is just saying the same thing three times. But nothing could be further from the truth. 
When Jesus stands up at the end, it's important, he stands up at the end. He who was in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. He who was in the beginning stands up at the last chapter of the, of the letters that were sent to the church. He stands up at the last chapter of the letter that was sent to the church and he says these three things which are powerful to the believer. And we like to say it, and we don't even know why we like to say it. We like to say, we like to say it, man. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the first and I am the last. I mean, when I say that, you don't even know why your spirit comes to life, but your spirit knows. Your spirit stands at attention and says, man, that man is telling the truth right now about who Jesus is. He says, I am Alpha. He stands up at the end, at the end, at the darkness, in the darkness, in the chaos. In the apocalypse, Jesus stands up and he, and he stands up and he, and he says to his church, to those who believe, to those who know, he says, I want you to know I'm Alpha and I'm Omega. He uses the Greek alphabet, and he does it on purpose. He gangsters the Greek alphabet to let them know there ain't no culture that I won't walk in. It could be black. It could be white. It could be Hispanic. It could be Asian. I, I walk right into every culture, every, every worldly place. I am not restricted by culture. Your, your borders and your lines cannot keep me out. I'm alpha. He uses the Greek letter, the first letter. He says, I want you to know I'm the first letter. And I want you to know I'm Omega. I'm the last letter too. I'm the first word and I'm the last word. I want you to know what I spoke will not stop. I will finish what I started. He, he stands up. At the end, in the darkness, in the confusion, in the chaos, beasts running around, women running, virgins running around from the beast, having children. He stands up in the middle of it. And he says, I am Alpha. I am, the, I am the first word, and you can bet I will have the last. I don't care how proud the nations become. I don't care how dark the world gets. I don't care what the left says, what the right says, what the blue says, what the red says. I want you to know I am Alpha, and I am am Omega. What is he saying to us today? This remembers a letter to the church. He's saying to you and me, you know what he's saying? I, I keep my word. If I spoke a word to you, I keep it. I am a promise keeper. Isaiah 55 says, so shall my word be. Right? You know this. What happens? When we send it, he said, I will have the last. I had the first word before you were formed in your mother's womb. I spoke you into existence. Before you weren't born, you weren't born of the world. You were born of the spirit. Because you were born of the spirit, I spoke you into existence. And I want you to know I have the last word. The doctor doesn't have the last word. The judge doesn't have the last word. Your circumstance doesn't have the last word. Where you come from doesn't have the last word. What, what you're going through won't have the last word. I want you to know I am the letter. I am the letter. I am the first letter and I am the last letter. I am the word 
of the living God made flesh. And I keep my word. Matthew 5.18, I love this. He says, for assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. Not one word. Not one, not, not a jot or a tittle. I, I, I don't know what a jot or a tittle is. It's where we get our expression, not one iota. That's what it means. Not one iota. Not, not one word. Not one detail. Not one comma. Not one period. Not one exclamation period. Not one sentence. Not one paragraph. Not one, not one book. Not one letter will I not fulfill. I sent the letter. I am the letter. I will be the letter. I am the letter right now. I will be the letter tomorrow. I will finish my word. I want you to know today, when Jesus reveals himself, he's saying to the church, you could trust my word. You could take it to the bank. Twice on Sunday, take it to the bank. I, I keep my promises. Then he says, I am the beginning and I am the end. Beginning means starting place, which is, you know, we don't have a problem seeing Jesus in the starts of things. We love the starts of things because in the starts of things, you know, he comes to us and he, he gives us like, you know, what in the world? That's interesting. I, somebody put something in my pocket. In the starts of things, he comes and reveals himself to us and, and we love it. We love it. We love the beginnings of things. Anybody can begin anything though. You, anybody begins, anybody can start something. But very few can finish. Yeah, ah! The older I get, the more I'm like, hey, bro, can you just finish what you started? Can you just, can you just follow through on what you said you was going to do? There's a generation that knows how to start a thing, but don't know how to finish the thing. And you, the older you get, the more you're consumed with the finish and less with the beginning. And I, and anybody can start. But we need some people to finish. And here's what Jesus is saying. I finish what I start. It, and, and that he said, I am the beginning, I'm the starting place, and I am the end. That word end means purpose or mission. So I fulfill the mission from which I started. His word to you today is he will fulfill the mission he started the purpose. If he started it, it has a purpose. He will finish it. Remember, he's standing up. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to, he is not talking to your unsaved loved one. He is talking to you, beloved. And I want you to hear him say, I finish what I start. I'm not like man. I gave this young man a job not, not many years ago. I said, look, man, this is all I got to do. All, all I want you to do, I want to take this paint. I, put, I started it for him even. I put the paint in the tray, and it was yellow paint. And I stuck the roller in there, and I got it all wet. And I, and I walked out, and I said, you see the bottoms of these light posts? I want you to paint. They were on the parking lot. I said, I want to paint. It was about five of them. I said, I just want you to paint the bottom. Just paint these things yellow. When you're done, come, come check me out. About, about noon, I went looking for him. 
I couldn't find him. So where'd he go? And I said, I look way out in the parking lot. I said, I look. I walked over, and there was one done and a half another one done. You know what he did? He pulled the Troy. He walked out at midnight. <laughs> walked out on midnight. <laughs> walked right out on midnight. And the reason, the reason is because he failed to see. He failed to see the present tense context of the future of what God wanted to do. And we walk away so, so easy. Because we fail to see in the middle. We start good, rolling. Sun gets a little hotter. This is stupid. I'm leaving. But, but what we should do in those moments is say, Jesus, come close. Give me a revelation of you in this moment. Open my eyes to see the victory at the end. What I, what I should have did with the young man is said, let me paint a picture for you. This Sunday, people are going to pull in this parking lot. There's going to be lost souls going through hell. There's going to be darkness and beasts and demons. They're going to be beat up, and they're going to come in. And when they come in, they're going to see the beauty of the landscape. They won't even know what they're feeling, but they're going to feel something because first impressions make you feel something. That's why everything matters. That's why everything is spiritual and everything matters. First impressions make you feel something, make you feel comfortable, and they make you feel secure. And they make you feel, this is a place that's alive, and man, it's thriving here. And they're going to walk in, and they're going to give their life to Jesus, and they're soul's going to be saved. I should have showed him the soul. So I want you to, whenever you're in the middle of something, understand that he's the beginning of it. He's the starting place. But it's imperative that in the middle of stuff, you get a present tense revelation. You need Jesus in the middle of it. You can't, let, you can't just have Jesus in the beginning and not in the middle. You need him in the middle. Now see, now the thing is this. Pastors, can you help me? Come up here. Come up here. So you, you, you're Jesus. All right, you're going to be Jesus here. And uh, guess what? You're Jesus too. You're going to be Jesus down here. You're going to be Jesus down here. Yeah, you're going to be Jesus right down here. And uh, right there. That's good. That's good. That's good. So, so the problem is, is that we see Jesus at the beginning. It's trouble. We have trouble seeing Jesus at the end of a thing. And if you're at the end of a thing right now, I want you to know, Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the beginning. And he said what? He didn't say, I'm at the end. What did he say? I am. He said, I am the beginning and I am the end. There's no place where you're going to go from the beginning to the end of your life where I am not am. He am is going to be anywhere between there and there. He is everywhere in between there. He is not at a certain place. He is every place you are. Pastor Dom, come here. Pastor Dom, come here. Pastor Jeremiah, come here. Come here. Now, here's what I want you to see. Now, Pastor Dom, come, come over here. Here's, here, here, this is going to best illustrate this. Because a lot of times between the beginning and the end, when we get to the end of a thing, we shake our fists at God and say, where were you? We, we like, the, the, like, like Lazarus' sister saying, he, my brother would have lived if you'd have been here. Where were you? 
And Jesus even said it on the cross. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you when my pain and affliction and the lights go out? Where are you when life is the toughest and the hardest and the demons and the beasts are after me and chasing me? Where are you? Don't, don't admit it, but we've all been at a place from the beginning to the end where we felt like God had abandoned us. And he stands at the end of time and he says, I'm the beginning and I am the end. You see, Dom, Pastor Dom, he, there's a beginning. We saw Jesus, man. You could see, see Pastor Dom with Jesus. No doubt, man, no doubt. No doubt he's with Jesus. You see the revelation. It's not he, it's not him. It's him, it's Jesus. Jesus is the revelation. But Pastor Dom is nothing without the revelation. It's only the revelation. But I need you to see the revelation of Jesus doesn't stop. Because he said, I'm the beginning. But I'm the end. And I want you to know today, if you're at the end of something, he's there. Jesus is at the end of, of everything. He said, I am all things. I'm in the middle. I'm on the side. And here's what I need you to see. Where, where, Pastor Dom ended past Jeremiah begins because why because it doesn't matter who's there it just matters Jesus is there so so it, it don't matter nothing about you. It matters about Jesus. It just matters that we know that Jesus is beginning and Jesus is at the end. Thank you, gentlemen. Jesus is the beginning and Jesus is. He's going, he's going to be there in Texas when Pastor Dom gets there if Pastor Dom takes Jesus with him. And I'm sure he will. And he'll be here in Cleveland as long as Pastor Jeremiah takes him with him. Because he's the revelation. He is the revelation. So wherever you are, he, he's there. He's in the middle. He's at the beginning. He's at the end. He's not linear. He's continual. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Romans eleven thirty six. for of him and through him and to him are what? All things, not some things, everything. For, what? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. And I close with this. He said, I am Alpha Omega, beginning and First and the last. First means chief in this expression. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He's the holder 
of everything. He's that stone in the life of the believer, that rock upon which we stand, that holds everything together by the word of his power. He holds all, he is chief. He stands up and says, I am the chief cornerstone. I am the first, and I am the last. Last there means eschatos. Woo, shandele. He said, I am, the, I am the first and I am the eschatos, from which we get our word eschatology, which means the study of the end. He said, I am the eschatos to the believer. I am the extreme in the, in the eschatos there, the study, the, the, the end, which means really the extreme end of the believer. Really what he's saying is I am the, I am the one who holds everything. I hold all power. I am sovereign over everything, even the extreme things, even death, hell, the grave, the nations, the powers, the principality, even the things outside of your time. I hold all, everything together by the word of my power. There is nothing outside of my reach. I'm inside of your time. I'm outside of your time. I, I'll deal with the devil. I'll deal with the demons. I'll deal with the beast. I'll deal with it all because I am the chief cornerstone. I hold it all together. So what's Jesus saying to the church? He's holding you. If you're, if, if you're experiencing right now eschatos, and everyone is. Five days ago, my, my cousin found dead, been dead three days fentanyl took his life 25 years old extreme unraveling but I take courage in the word of of the revelation of Jesus he said I am the first and I am the last I can walk into Lazarus's tomb and yank him out of four days dead and said come on with me because I am in control of the extreme ends and Jesus stands up at the end of time to reassure us. I want you to know we're here. This is the end. And it doesn't get, like it's not going to get easier. I don't mean that to scare you. I mean that to tell you that the most important thing for the believer today is the revelation of Jesus. If you don't have a revelation... You will panic, and you, you'll, you'll fall apart. You, you won't make it. Jesus keeps his word. So, so I go back and I say, revelation is prophetic. Now I go back to the beginning of where I first started. Listen to me. What Revelation is prophetic. Jesus, this is why it's so important that you don't settle for a personality. You don't settle for like good preaching, good songs. I, we can't have you, we can't have you singing good songs. 
We need you singing Jesus. We can't be preaching good sermons. We have to preach Jesus. Jesus. Because revelation is prophetic. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wherever Jesus is, there is an unlocking of the future for the believer to get them through the gloomy, dark moment that they're in. But it is an encouragement to you and I to let us know, don't worry about it. Just find the presence of Jesus. If you find the presence of Jesus, he'll turn the lights on. He'll show you that you are more than a conqueror, that no weapon formed against you can prosper. He'll put your momentary affliction in the context of your future victory Jesus said I keep my word he said I keep my word I'm just summarizing he said I keep my word so I need you to know today most important thing for you today you got to get a word from Jesus not from a preacher not from Troy not from anybody at this altar you need a word from Jesus Before you leave here today, you're going through something, you're in the middle of something, you're not sure about your future, man, you better get a word before you hit those doors. You need a word from God. I need a word. What's the word? Jesus is the word. You find Jesus, you'll find a word. You you approach Jesus, he said, I am the word made flesh. I've come and I've dwelt among you. You need a word. Number two, he keeps, he keeps his word. He finishes what he starts. He finishes it. Jesus said, I finish what I start. If you're at the end of something, if you're at the end of, if you're at the end of anything in your life, you need to know, ask for the presence of God to be revealed. He said, I'm at the end. I don't know where you are. I feel lost. I feel confused. It seems dark. I don't know what to do. I'm uncertain about my future. Then here's what you need. You need a revelation of Jesus. And Jesus is holding it all together. I am Alpha Omega, beginning and end, first and last. He's holding it all together. If there's extreme unraveling in your life, you say, I don't know what to do with my children. My marriage is unfolding. I got this going on over here, work over here, these people over here. I got, the, I got this situation. The doctor said this. I'm going to tell you something. If it's all unraveling faster than you can keep track of it, here's what you need. Here's what you need. You need intimacy with Jesus. He said, I hold, I hold all things together. I'm the chief cornerstone. You need to be held by Jesus today. That's hard for men to say. It's hard for men to say. That Jesus hold me. And, and our wives pray, Jesus hold him back. We should just start praying, Jesus hold me. Life is unraveling. You need intimacy with Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet as we close. Ecclesiastes. I end with this. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. You see that? The end of a thing is better. What am I telling you?
I'm telling you to hold on. Be faithful. Because the end is better than the beginning. That's what Jesus promised you. I want to encourage you today and let you know that the end is worth it. Press on, as Paul said, I press to the goal. What's the goal? Jesus. Jesus is the goal. I press. The end is worth it. Don't you allow this moment of affliction, disappointment, discouragement. Don't you allow it. Don't you allow it one moment to distract you. Ask for the presence of Jesus to come. Come on, I invite you to do that right now. Close your eyes, lift your hands. Ask for the presence of Jesus to come right now. Jesus, we bid you come right now. Come until every ounce of flesh is choked. Fill the room right now, God. Fill it, Jesus, so the ministers can't minister anymore. So the knees will bow. So the flesh would die. Fill the room, oh Jesus. Get rid of ego. Get rid of striving. Get rid of it now, God. Get rid of competition and comparison. Get rid of it now, God. Reveal yourself to me, Jesus. Come on, just ask for it. Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Turn the lights on as you draw unto me. Illuminate the future as you draw unto me. Give me a glimpse now of my present tense context. Give me present tense context of my future victory. I declare you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed when you come in. You're blessed when you go out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You have the blessing of heaven upon your life. And just because there's an affliction you're facing doesn't mean you're cursed. Doesn't mean you're without the presence of Jesus. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. I bless you today. I bless you at the end of things. And I declare at the end, Jesus is the end. Just because we can't see doesn't mean you aren't. You are the end. Bless your people today, Jesus. We give you glory. You're here in this room, never given your life to Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I give you my life. Take it now. Change this world with it. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Altar ministers are going to make their way. Can you, give your, can you give the Lord a great big hand clap as we close? Altar ministers are coming. If you need prayer today, if you're in a moment of affliction, we want to pray for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being a part of our Sunday morning. We bless you. We love you. God bless you as you go.